Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Hello and welcome to SilconaCast, episode 17, Omegas and Oxygen. <sighs> That's Lucia breathing loudly into the mic. Very loudly. And I'm Hannah. Welcome. Yay. You'll notice that we started calling our episodes episode 17 instead of season 3, episode 1. Because we're just kind of pumping them out. We have you know? we have too much to talk about to deal with those silly seasons. We thought we would be taking breaks, but we d- we just don't. No, we, we like work this. too hard. Yeah. So hi, hi. Oh my god, how was your week? <laughs> two weeks. It's two been weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks that flew by. Uh, my week was great, so my this week is good. But my last week was also great. I was out in Colorado visiting a friend. Hiking up in the mountains. Yeah, your pics look so pretty. It's hard to take a bad picture out there. Yeah. How about you? Well, uh, we're expanding the gym. Ooh. ooh. So kind of fitness. Look it up. <laughs> so it's going well. It's hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Because sleep. <laughs> but it's going well. It's fun. It's fun to do. Yeah. We both went to a wedding last night. We did. But I left at 9 o'clock because I had to go to bed because I had to wake up at 4.30. Whew. I know. And I still really only got like six hours of sleep. So you're feeling... Great. <laughs> really good right uh, now. Yeah. I'm, I've drank more coffee. I've been doing like 8 to 12 ounces of coffee. Yeah. And a really good job at that. Yeah. Today I had like 24 ounces already. Because mm. <laughs> I'm just like, get me through it. Yeah. Kind of a special Monday. Yeah. I don't nap. I'm not good at it. It's just too hard. Well, where am I going to nap anyway at work? Well, hey, I know of one couch. I know. I tried it, though, <laughs> and I tried to nap, and, like, four people came in oh. during the time I was napping. Not cool. Yeah, and then they're like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> I get it. It's weird. I look homeless. Yeah, what are you doing over there? I'm like, nothing. It's my ca- Technically, it's my couch. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of coffee, I am also, I'm drinking a little bit of coffee right now. I've yeah. been experimenting. It is actually just such a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's like two ounces. <laughs> I'm trying some sips to see how it feels. Uh, coffee and I have a contentious relationship, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working to make it work. I don't need to have it every day. I don't want to have it every day, but I want to be able to enjoy it when I want it. So maybe on the weekends, maybe on a Monday. So we're... Coffee and I are giving it the go. Great. Yeah. Uh, Lucia, we got our first <laughs> tweet. <laughs> and you ooh, know ooh. what? We'll take it in stride. It was. Hey, it's constructive criticism, yeah. which is what we need. Guys, like we are screaming into the mics. They're like basically the mics are in our mouths and we're across the room from each other yelling. And it's still like we have the voices of like tiny twigs being broken two miles away from you in the woods yeah (laughs) so we'll do our best we're trying very very much yeah we picked the wrong medium we realized (laughs) we should have done like interpretive dance but keep tweeting us let us know tell us uh how much you have to turn that volume up (laughs) every week let us know anyway did you do your challenge um i did do my challenge yes so the challenge was from last week's episode liver and lordosis so hannah challenged me to think about my pelvic tilt when i was standing sitting lying down moving around um and throughout the episode i was actually thinking i think i have the opposite problem that i do yes yes you do yeah right so (laughs) I was actually noticing, uh, especially visualizing like a duck butt, being like, let me actually duck butt myself more and like tilt tilt my pelvis that way more instead of trying to bring that in. Yeah. You don't need to worry about lordosis. Yeah. So it, it felt good to be thinking about pel- pelvic tilt because it is something that I know uh, could be working on yeah. to get the right alignment. And you're tall. 
So you want to watch out for that thoracic kyphosis. You don't <laughs> really rolls be, off the tongue. Yeah, you don't want to be a humpback. Because tall people are always like trying to get smaller. Yeah, we're trying to slouch down to meet all you folk. Don't do it. <laughs> it hurts your back. Yeah, it does. Anyway. How was your challenge? Well, I got it wrong. <laughs> I was supposed to eat bitter foods. I literally Hannah. hate the taste of Swiss chard. Uh-huh. And I got it in my CSA, and I was like, fine. I should eat this. But that's apparently not a bitter food. It's, yeah, it's not the most bitter. It's a, it is a dark leafy green, though. I'll give mm. you that. But we did go to a fancy uh, bar. Mm. And I got some soda water with some fancy bitters. Yum. Yeah. Nice. Those would be bitter. Yeah. Because we went to a fancy bar, but, like, neither me or my husband drink. Mm. Mm-hmm. So... So just pass those bitters. I mean, I do drink sometimes, but like not on a casual Wednesday. Yeah. (laughs) If it's like a hype Wednesday. Sure. But casual, no. No, No, not so much. I'm good. Yeah. Well, uh, good job. I would say you did do that challenge. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I did it, but I barely passed. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a... Like I audited the class, but I forgot to show up. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Well, should we get into this week's content? Yes. Tell mm. me about omegas because I find that so confusing. The the term omega? No. Like everyone's always like, you need your threes and your sixes, but there's too much sixes and not enough threes and you got to take this certain thing. But I'm like, I don't know. Totally. I think that's how a lot of people feel. Yeah. So I'm going to give a basic overview on omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. Do it. So here we go. Ski, ski. (laughs) Okay, so omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids, they're two separate ones. I'll be talking about both of them. Um, They are our two essential fatty acids. So essential means the human body cannot synthesize these. They cannot create them from other fats or other compounds coming in from food and diet or from sunlight, anything like that. We have to ingest foods that contain omega-3 essential fatty acids and omega-6 essential fatty acids. Or what happens? Or our cell membranes are really going to hurt. We need these essential fatty acids. They're really, really helpful for a slew of different bodily processes for long-term energy, for uh, appropriate inflammatory responses, but especially for um, creating cell membranes especially for creating supple and pliable cell membranes, which is really important. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, literally, do you feel stiff if you don't get them? I mean, I guess nobody has survived without them. Yeah, you, you need them. You're, and yeah, you'll, you be, you'll be getting them in. So one of the, the main issues, which I'll be talking about more in a minute, is that of omega-3 and omega-6, they can kind of compete for the same areas in our bodies. So we want to be thinking about the ratio that we're getting in. That's where I get confused. Yes. So in our, we had a whole episode about fats. And I was talking about saturated fat versus um, unsaturated versus polyunsaturated, yep. Yep. Um, monounsaturated. So the the omega-3 and the omega-6 essential fatty acids are poly unsaturated fats that means that and again we talked about it so if you haven't listened go listen to that fats episode because you'll get more talk about the kind of molecular structure and breakdown of fats but omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are both they're in that polyunsaturated category and because of that they're more fragile oils they need to be treated with extra care and they can go easily, more easily go rancid. Um, so exposing them to sunlight, exposing them to air or to high heat can affect the structure of that fat um, and oxidize it, which is then inflammatory in our body. So we don't want that. But we want the omega-3 and omega-6 right. fatty acids, so we need to be ingesting them. Um, so omega-6 is also called linoleic acid. Ooh. Omega-3 is called linolenic acid. Like I said, omega-6, omega-3, they're important for the structure of cell membranes, giving us long-term energy and 
appropriately affecting our inflammation pathways and our response to becoming inflamed. So if we fall down and we scrape our knee, they're part of that process that helps turn that into a scab and then heal that area. Um, but what's happening in our current culture is if we go in back and think about that ratio that I mentioned, our, can you guess what the ideal ratio is, Hannah? Three to one. Not six to three, six to two, uh, one to three. Of which to which? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're supposed to have, uh, okay, which is the one that you can get from fish? Omega-3. Okay, I think you're supposed to have three to one of omega-3 to omega-6. Three six. to six. Good guess. Oh, God, is can it wrong? Is it flipped? Well, I want to have you guess one other thing. What do you think our current kind of in general ratio is one to six <laughs> we get like more of we get more of the sixes because of things like chips yes and fried foods you are correct on that all right yes so in general with our conventional kind of standard american diet we are getting more omega-6 fatty acids which we do want they are essential so we need those but we're getting them from inappropriate sources that are typically highly refined and processed so those seed oils, um, something like Crisco, uh, margarine, buttery spreads, canola oil, buttery oil. spreads, such a, <laughs> it's such a lie. <laughs> it's not that buttery, and it's also not that similar. It's not similar to butter, and buttery would suggest that. And how spreadable is it? Ugh. Ugh. The actual Ugh. ratio that people tend to be getting of omega, I'm saying omega six to three. The standard American is getting a 20 to 1 ratio. Oh, no. Omega-3 fats are going to help with the pliability and that suppleness of the cell membrane. Like I said, the omega-6 and omega-3 compete. They can be competing for those same areas. So if we're not getting in enough omega-3, but we're getting in all that omega-6, our cells can actually become a little bit less pliable and more stiffened no, from that omega-6. That's not good. Yeah. So the ideal ratio or the historic ratio is closer one to one. Oh, one to one. Yeah. Where do I get three to one? There's people, people will say different stuff, but from what I can tell, it's one to one. Oh. Uh, maybe it's because my my bottle of fish oil is a <laughs> three to one, omega three to omega six ratio. Sure, yeah. Because I need more threes to match my sixes. In general, yes. So a lot of people would feel better if they were to increase their dietary sources and or supplementing with sources of omega three fatty acids in order to shift that ratio. But I think what happens is that we hear. It was a trend and probably still is a fad. Omega-3s are good. Omega-3s are healthy. Anything else that we're not talking about must be bad. Oh, yeah. That's not the case. What we're looking for is high-quality sources of omega-3s and high-quality sources of omega-6s in the appropriate amounts that they're balanced with one another. Not just all sixes. Not just all sixes, which is what is going to happen if, like you said, um, that potato chip example, if... The potato chips that you're buying at the store are fried, deep fried in something like safflower oil, yep, uh, canola oil, some sort of blend, which yep. is usually what they write on the back of those chips, which are going to be the more economical option than other fancier options like those cooked in coconut oil, any of that stuff that's coming out. Those oils are higher in omega-6. <sighs> Dang it. So they can be... Enjoy it in moderation because we are humans and we have the right to eat whatever we want. Yes, it's our it's our <laughs> right. It's our birthright to eat chips when we want. Yeah, you got that chip right. But, but you don't have to. And there are cool options out there now that are... Cool <laughs> omega-3 <laughs> options. Are just... Uh, even still omega-6 options, options of oils that these chips are being cooked in that have those omega-6, but have omega-6 that are appropriate oils that like can withstand, withstand higher heat so they're more stable. Okay. Yep. Just got to look for it. Yep. So the ratio is really important. Like you said, you mentioned fish. 
Yeah. Let's talk about some different sources of where we're getting these in. These omega-3s and these omega-6s. Tuna. For which? (laughs) Omega-3. Yes. Fish. (laughs) Nuts. For which one? Six. Yeah, so a lot of nuts are going to have more of those really quality omega-6s. Something like sunflower seeds, pine nuts, pecans, Brazil nuts, sesame oil, borage oil. What? Borage is not nece- yeah, it's not really a, a seed that we're going to be chowing down on. Um, another supplement that people use to get in that good, good quality omega-6 is evening primrose oil. Oh, what a, what a fancy name. <laughs> Sources of omega-3... Like you said, tuna, tuna, salmon, sardines. Sardines. Oysters. Trout is especially high in omega-3. Great. Yeah. Um, vegetarian sources include flaxseed, chia seed. Oh, that's where that all comes in handy. Mm-hmm. So I a lot of pe- why people like that crap. A lot of people <laughs> will supplement with, with flaxseed oil. Um, or put chia seeds into their yogurt or whatever. Yep, totally. I would say if you're someone that's using chia seeds, either put them into a, a liquid so they can expand. Yeah, they turn into those weird, <laughs> slimy bubbles. They get Yeah, they get a little gelatinous. Or blend them up in like a coffee grinder or buy them ground up and then stir them in the fridge because they are, any of the stuff that we're talking about, omega-6 or omega-3, these are all more of those fragile oils. Yeah. So even if it's coming in its whole form, like you're eating a flaxseed or a chia seed, you want to make sure that the integrity is still there. So I would say store this stuff in cool storage or just go through it um, within a reasonable amount of time. So Treat it's not it just, kindly. Yeah, so it's not just sitting in your cupboard slowly going rancid. Yeah. Because that can happen. Um, so one fun fact that I wanted to mention, something like uh, grass-fed beef. So people talk about, yes, the environmental concerns, why we want to be eating local meat, meat that's been raised in a a more humane and appropriate way that's really really great but also the food that those animals are eating so grass-fed versus more conventional um industrial feedlot the the beef that's eating the grass they're eating grass they're eating clover anything like that the beef that are at the feedlot they're probably being fed grains like soy and corn so grass-fed beef actually has higher omega-3 fat content in the fat itself. So the fat that you're ingesting when you make a burger, a grass-fed burger, is going to have more omega-3 than omega-6 versus if you were to buy the same cut from an animal on the feedlot. Mm. So another reason that you want to be eating animals, if you do eat animals, you want to be eating those animals that are eating an appropriate diet for themselves. Yeah. That clover that the grass-fed uh, cattle are eating is high in omega-3. Dang. So think about their cell structure, their cell membrane, more supple, less inflamed, more able to do its thing because Tastier. of an appropriate diet. Yeah. And that's the same thing we want to be doing in our bodies and at the end like of the, the day. And that's the same idea that we talked about when you have, like, if you have meat that you're not sure where it comes from like cut off the excess fat right as well for that same reason yes that's where it's storing more omega-6 yes that reason and also um we don't want to be fat phobic but an animal if we don't know its source and we think maybe it's lower quality animals also as do we we store toxins fat soluble toxins like we talked about in our liver episode we store those toxins in the fat to move them away from organs to keep our body safe. So animals do that too. So if you're eating an animal that is, you don't know where it's from, there's a higher likelihood of that fat being more toxic and also, yes, having a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So you can do yourself a favor. If, if grass-fed, if pastured options aren't in your budget, I would say choose either choose small fish, maybe buying sard- like canned sardines, those are a really yeah. great option, or... You could choose leaner cuts of more conventional meats, too. That's what we do for our budget. Yeah. Is we do, like, stuff that's a little less fatty from, like, Target or wherever. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm going to buy a big cut of steak that I know is going to have, like, a good fatty chunk on it that I want to eat or cook in, then I go for the more pricey option. And it'll taste better, too. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) So... 
my challenge for you, Hannah. Oh. I want you. Do you do you have nuts or seeds at home? Uh, we don't really keep a lot of nuts. Okay. What I do this high carb, low fat thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who told you to do that? <laughs> um. Okay. What I want you to do, if you encounter a nut or a seed okay. this week, yes, I want you to bite it in half and look at the inside of that nut or seed. Okay. And notice, maybe bite into a few, if you have a handful somewhere, bite into them and notice what the inside of that seed or nut looks like. Let's say you're getting an almond. Bite into that, see and smell it, and notice if you can tell if it's already rancid. Oh. Mhm. You could do that. You could also like a like a rotten smell? Like a slightly off smell. Mhm. Because you'll find in a lot of stores, especially more conventional stores like a Target, if you're going to buy roasted nuts there, roasted almonds, they were packaged, don't know when. Yeah. They were roasted in oils that shouldn't probably be used for roasting. And they've probably been sitting in that store for a while. Yeah. So the likelihood of those being rancid on the inside will be higher than if you were to go buy a raw almond sure. from a co-op okay. in their cold section. So All see right. if you can notice a difference in the taste. I think it can be interesting. And I wonder, I think maybe I've had almonds like that before because sometimes I hate almonds <laughs> and sometimes I really like them. Hey. So maybe really what's happening is sometimes I eat rancid almonds and i'm like this is gross yeah your body's like uh please don't they're like hard to swallow yeah and then like and they can even look a little bit different too so a fresh almond will have a whiter inside and more of that kind of rancid older almond will almost look a little bit not darker in color almost like more saturated in the oil if you will i'm uh, not and it's not a great explanation of that but just look look at different almonds hannah i will <laughs> look at almonds here's your challenge look at almonds <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's what I have for omegas. Don't don't just think it's all about omega-3. Yes, let's get in a lot of omega-3. Let's make sure that the omega-6 and the 3 that we're getting in are from high-quality sources so we can start to shift that ratio in our body because they're going to help, especially the omega-3, is going to help with that supple cell membrane, that long-term energy, and an appropriate inflammatory response, which is what we want. Boom. Lock solid. Thank you. That's not even a phrase. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now um, it is. Let's move on to talking about oxygen. I want to learn. So, you know, I had to make it an alliteration. And I wanted to talk about VO2 max. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, one of those things is oxygen. <laughs> so that works. So let's talk about VO2 max. Lisha, what do you know about VO2 max? Number one. What is it? Okay, VO2 max is the the maximum volume of air in your lungs. Okay. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Close. And, and what else do you know about it? And anytime that I've done um, like a bod pod assessment, like a, where we're looking at body composition, they also note your like total lung capacity. So how much air you can hold in your lungs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I yeah. see I see a number sometimes that is then near a VO2 word. Right. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that the, the amount of air that you can hold in your lungs would contribute to your VO2 max. Uh-huh. But your VO2 max, well, to give you an idea, it's measured in milliliters okay. per kilogram per minute. So it's not just like how much air you can hold in your lungs. It's how much oxygen your body can process. Gotcha. Okay. In volume per kilogram of body weight mm -hmm. per minute of exercise. That is so much more fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like your lung capacity is definitely a major contributor because you can intake more, you know, vol a higher volume of oxygen. But uh, it's also based on how quickly you can process that oxygen and turn it into usable energy for your body. Right. So it's a it's like the storage and then the efficiency of use. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. So 
The reason I want to talk about it is because I think it's an interesting topic. I think a lot of people who study exercise, like, uh, you know, uh, physiology, talk about VO2 max. Endurance athletes talk about VO2 max a lot. CrossFit athletes talk about VO2 max a little. Mm. And probably most athletes are like, I don't 100% know what that is, but I know I want to make it more. That's like me. Yeah. You're like, I think I want more. It sounds great. But I'm not sure why. Or how. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like a, a few parts. First thing is, like, do you, it doesn't even matter to you. Maybe. Mm -hmm. The second part is, how do you make it increase? Mm -hmm. And then the last part is, like, you know, when you're training, what's actually relevant about your VO2 max? Can you explain what, so what is VO2? Well, Let's, I have an idea, but. It's literally like volume of oxygen. Okay. Maximum. Gotcha. That your body can take. Perfect. Like VO2 isn't really a thing. It's like. Volume of yeah, oxygen. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. like a shorter phrase. Yep. So, because um, O2 is oxygen. Yep. We got that. We got that. So your VO2 max can depend on a few things. Your, your specific VO2 max depends on a few things. First thing is the inherent ability of your muscle to use oxygen to produce energy. Your muscle meaning muscle like anywhere muscle. in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So once oxygen reaches your muscle, mm -hmm. how well can it turn that oxygen over mm. so that you can use it to continue to exercise and function? Gotcha. Second is the ability of your lungs, hearts, and circulatory system to transport the oxygen to the muscle. So how fast can you actually get the oxygen from your big old lungs to the muscles that need it? And then um, also your body composition. So like how much muscle and fat do you have? Sure, right. So some of those things are genetic. Mm. Your ability to transport and your ability to process, most of that is genetically set. Hmm. So that kind of stinks. Yeah, it's a little disheartening. In some ways, yeah. yeah. But that it's not like the end of the story. Mm -hmm. But there is like a genetic uh, maximum that each of us can individually reach mm. after training or, do, or reducing all the other factors that would get in the way. Yeah. There's just a certain point that you can't go beyond based on your genetic factors, which are kind of like still unknown. So my genetic ceiling is there. Yes, it's okay. there somewhere. Okay. You likely have not gotten close to it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. just because like most of us haven't. Right. The average athlete right. is not super concerned about VO2 max training. For like a high-level endurance athlete, certainly. Yeah. And their genetic ability to uh, reach their VO2 max, like, you know, depending on what that number is, will determine whether or not they're going to be a good endurance athlete. Sure. So like, you know, people who are at – in the um, Olympics for the marathon, mm -hmm. they likely have a pretty strong genetic component yeah. that makes them better at proce processing oxygen during exercise. There's a reason they're there. Yeah. Being so cool. Yeah, and then on top of that, they are doing everything they can to increase that VO2 max right. so that they can continue to process oxygen at fast a rate as possible right working out as hard as possible gotcha yeah because at some point if you reach it when you're working out you'll hit a peak and then plateau for the remainder mm. you can no longer increase it just by increasing workload sure like you can't just run faster to make your vo2 max better or higher right you'll just wear yourself out yeah yeah does that make sort it, of basic sense yep totally okay. so um and the other part of it besides the genetic endowment piece is like your training aspects mm -hmm. and there's body composition aspects in sure. there. Because that yeah. is like, it is volume per kilogram of body weight. Right. So if you shift that ratio, yes. then there will That's be a gonna difference. That's going to improve your VO2 max. Yep. Exactly. Um, and it's important because in... A lot of, if you look at different athletic events, you can determine like how, what percentage of your energy comes from oxygen in that exercise hmm. versus what percentage comes from uh, lactate. Sure. 
So like if I'm doing an event that lasts for like a minute or less. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm like a weightlifter, mm-hmm. 25% or less of the energy I need for that event comes from actual breathing. Sure. From oxygen. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Like if I am well rested and well fed and my muscles are prepared to work, they can function without a ton of oxygen. Yeah. And then the longer the event gets, the more dependent you are on oxygen. Like if you're doing an event that's like a long running event or long rowing event, uh, if you're running for more than 20 minutes or something like that, 100% of your ability to continue mm-hmm. depends on your oxygen intake. Okay. So like for me as a weightlifter, I don't really care about my VO2 max. Right. But if I'm trying to think about myself as a CrossFitter, I would. Mm-hmm. And if I'm thinking about myself as a runner, yeah. I definitely am. Yeah. So doing that Ragnar yep. that you did. that was It was important for me to work on my VO2 max yeah. so that I didn't just die yeah. during the run. Is that why you think, and maybe there, there are probably a few different reasons, but why a lot of the, or like that classic, if you think of like a classic marathon runner, they're kind of tall and lanky and don't have much body... Uh, mass well the tall and lanky aspect um might be what like is going to improve their stride yeah so that part of it might they just have a genetic component which is that they can get further yeah um but the low body fat aspect for sure yeah gotcha there's definitely like if you're trying to fuel your system if there's less system to, to fuel, fuel yeah it's gonna take less energy right it'll be more efficient so. sure of course you don't want to be at um zero percent body fat and also zero percent muscle mass right because that's going to be a problem for you as well yeah um so but yes the longer endurance athletes they are very very thin mm-hmm. and have very low body fat right because well number one because they're doing so much aerobic exercise mm-hmm. and burning thousands of calories running for hours and hours a day yeah but also because it's uh beneficial to their sport sure to be low body fat. right right basically when we're looking at the number for vo2 max what it's describing is the ability of your aerobic system to provide energy to working muscle cool so like as you're continuing to work out and move can your aerobic system provide you that support yeah um or do you end up going to a place where you're relying more on lactate to provide mm. energy. And we can kind of get to that like in a minute because that's another, that relationship between lactate threshold and VO2 max is interesting. And I think probably the most interesting thing for CrossFitters mm, okay. to think about. Um, but let's just think about VO2 max in its purest form. So what's interesting about this is that there's a few ways that you can improve it. And the first way is the way you train. And there are a bunch of different studies that have been done on this. As you can imagine, there are tons of, tr- of coaches and athletes who have experimented with lots of ways to do this. Right. There's lots of uh, researchers that have experimented with ways to do this. And what they found through many different studies is that high-intensity, short-duration interval training, i.e. <laughs> CrossFit, what? is the most effective, more effective mm. than just long endurance training on its own to specifically increase VO2 max. That feels like such a relief too. It's like, oh yeah, I could I could do that short and intense thing versus yes. like dedicating all my spare time yes. to some endurance. So aspect. that's like been known for a long time. But then yeah. in 2007, another study came out that said, yes, that is true. And actually even works better when combined with some level of endurance training. Cool. Okay. So if you combine together interval training, high intensity interval training with longer, low, slow cardio endurance training, that combination is the most likely to increase your VO2 max. So can you define what that, what would that low and slow look like? Would that be like in a, in a typical CrossFit class when you then do that metabolic conditioning? Or well, is it even lower and slower? Like, let's say you're actually genuinely increased it. You're, you're interested in increasing your VO2 max because you want to be a better endurance athlete. Like yeah. you want to get it, you want to work to the point where you're able to reach 75% of your VO2 max and then maintain that for 
a long duration of time. Um, you need to be both doing CrossFit Metcons that are short, fast, high intensity, mm-hmm. as well as long stretches of your sport. Gotcha. That you're interested in getting better at. Right. Or if you're a CrossFit athlete, that might look like um, one day a week you're doing a longer, slower swim. Mm. Instead of like hopping in, into an endurance sport and intervaling that. Yeah. You're going into the endurance sport and you're doing endurance version. Yeah. Like you might go for a, a longer run mm-hmm. or row for like 30 minutes. Yeah. So it takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Those yeah, workouts that's a, are more like out an hour. Yeah, that's long. a time commitment. Yeah, yeah, it is more of a time commitment. Right. So you could do it just by doing like high intensity interval training. Right. But you can also add in that endurance aspect and get the best results. Right. So it's thinking about what what threshold do you want to be trying to attain. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't really do it just by doing the endurance sport. Okay. So there you go. There you and go. the other thing is you can't do it by doing low intensity interval training. Okay. So you can't run jog for one minute on, one minute off and see an increased VO2 max. So you need that more intense stress on your body. Oh, that's right. The high intensity. That's right. Okay. Yes. Um, so then the other part, the other thing you can do to change it is just be a different person because <laughs> you're genetics. But really when you're looking at your VO2 max, like if you're genuinely interested and you go in and you do a VO2 max test, which is now easy to do mm. and relatively inexpensive, mm-hmm. um, you should notice like how it changes over time. And when your window of increase starts to get a little smaller, understand that you might be getting pretty close to your genetic ability to reach that VO2 max. Right. So if your training is like pretty tight and you have a coach helping you with it or you're just really focused on training to increase your VO2 max and you've done the other things to make it better you might be getting kind of close to the edge mm-hmm. and that is not a whole lot there's not a whole lot you can do about that sure um, the other thing you can do is look at your body composition increasing fat is going to cause you to have a lower VO2 max sure decreasing fat is going to be better mm-hmm. in terms of your VO2 max um so that's specifically if you're interested in that. And then if you're gaining muscle. Still, it's for kilogram of body weight. Okay. So, yeah, anytime you're getting heavier, yeah, you're going to sl- slow down your VO2 max. There's more know? body that needs yeah. fueling. Yeah. Yes, which is like, you know, it's just a, if it's a trade-off. If you're, if you're taking some time to increase mass, you're doing a bulking cycle, you're probably avoiding – long duration cardio you might even be avoiding interval training you might just be lifting 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 yeah your vo2 max might suffer during that time period yeah so don't expect to be able to go out and just like hit the hardest sprint you can yeah and be totally fine Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing to think about is sport specificity so depending on your sport there's going to be an average vo2 max for Mm -hmm. like the top athletes and uh, depending, you know, on what your sport is, you should look at those numbers to determine what where you even want to be. Because if you're doing something like a sprint sport, it's not super important that it's very high. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing something like rowing, you know, the average is closer to like 60 milliliters per k- kilogram of body weight per minute of VO2 max. That's much higher than somebody who's doing like weightlifting. Um, what would be kind of just the average person who's hanging out? What would be their VO2 max? That's a good question. Sedentary person. So the average VO2 max just for normal people is somewhere between 38 to 41 milliliters per kilogram of body weight per minute. Okay. And that's for women that I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. And... If you're looking at like top good or athletic, you're getting closer to 55 and above. Okay. So um, if you're looking at your numbers, that's your area to look in. It, there's a difference. It, it's, it's not in the hundreds. It's definitely in the tens scale. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty distinct. Yeah. Pretty distinct difference. 
for CrossFit athletes especially, mm-hmm. and for other athletes that do things that are not just body weight, mm-hmm. there is an important relationship between VO2 max and lactate threshold. Aha. So when I say lactate or lactic acid, like what's the first thing that comes into your head? <laughs> I always get this visual of like m- milk in my muscles, like white milk. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and like, do you think it... Do you view it as bad or good? I view it as um, like it should be coming in and that's good, but it also needs to like flush out. And if it doesn't flush out, then that is not so good. Okay. Like if it doesn't flush out within like a reasonable amount of time after you're done with said activity. Okay. So essentially lactate in the system causes fatigue. Okay. So in the simplest way, you can think of it that way. Lactate also provides energy mm. for your body when you can no longer use oxygen to synthesize the energy. Okay. So if you are, you might notice the burning feeling you get. Yeah. When you are hitting your lactate uh, threshold. Okay. Mind you, the whole time that you're working out, you're producing lactate. But at the lactate threshold, that's the point at which you start to produce lots of lactate. Uh-huh. And you're using more lactate for energy than you are using oxygen. Sure. Does that make sense? Totally. So it's like you're always producing it. It's always there. Yeah. You can even feel it, I think, like when you start to warm up. Yeah. And you get like a burning feeling in your legs. It's like your body's starting to get the processes moving. Yeah. That's also that feeling of lactate. That like burning sensation. Sure. So um, your your lactate threshold is the point at which that that shift starts to happen. So the... Lactate threshold is going to be based on a percentage of your VO2 max. Oh. And it's different depending on who you are. Okay. And there's some genetic components to it, but a lot of it has to do with training. So that is where people are most interested in mm. when, they're, when you're thinking about a CrossFit athlete. Someone who's doing 100 thrusters for time mm-hmm. is not as concerned about whether or not they have a high VO2 max they're mostly concerned how what how high is their percentage of VO2 max for their lactate threshold. So as they're getting close to their VO2 max, as they're inhaling as much oxygen as they possibly can and converting it as fast as they can, mm-hmm. how close can they get to that without hitting their lactate threshold? Gotcha. Because once you hit that lactate threshold, your in, your fatigue will increase more rapidly. Because mm-hmm. it's like a slow linear climb, and then once you hit the threshold, threshold, it's a much faster climb. Okay. And for how much lactate your body is producing, which goes into your muscles and can go into your bloodstream and can cause fatigue. Which is why someone in that case would want to be pacing themselves, not to just try to bust out exactly. a bunch of thrusters really quickly, because that would get them to that point. More yes. Quickly. Well, and it depends. So the top athletes, top CrossFit athletes have a very clear understanding of when they are reaching their lactate threshold and when they're not. Mm. So they're in the gym purposely trying to reach that lactate threshold and then push beyond it Mm. so that they can train that percentage to increase so that when they go onto the floor to actually compete, they can stay under the threshold for as long as possible Sure. while still maintaining higher capacity for work than the Mm. person next to them Mm. does that make sense totally so like you'll see if you see just in the like just in our gym even where we don't have people competing but we have lots of people next to each other who have different levels of experience yeah if you see someone who's been doing crossfit for five years someone who's been doing it for for five days Mm -hmm. they might start at the same pace and be breathing the same amount of oxygen and in theory they could have the same vo2 max Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're one round into a workout and person who's been doing it for five years can keep going at the same rate without reaching fatigue in their muscles yeah. or feeling like they need to stop or they'll miss, you know, miss a box jumps or, or they can't like, actually continue. Yeah. Whereas a person who's been doing it for just a few workouts, they're going to hit that point where they're just completely crushed and their muscles can no longer give them what they need. Sure. Yes. That's it. Yes. Well, 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 now we have a name. Lactate threshold. Lactate threshold. So that's actually, I think, the most important thing for CrossFitters to think about as they're training is, yes, can you increase your VO2 max? That may be important. But 
uh, it, it, the more important thing is can you increase or, or decrease the space between your lactate threshold and your VO2 max? Right. How do you modify that? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I like reflecting on that, too, because it does speak to bio-individuality and that showing that, yeah, you can be coming from a different place, but you are still able to modify what's going on in your body. And I think that's really empowering. Yeah. Especially if you are that, in your example, if you are that newer CrossFit athlete and you look over and you're doing the same thing as that person who's been doing it for five years, it just shows that their body has responded to what they've been yes. doing for five years. Yes. It's like the reason why, if I'm in the gym... I'm working out. I'm with a class that um, where I where I am the most experienced person, which happens because I own the gym. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Hannah, I think you work out <laughs> right, like I, just a little bit. A but little bit. W- what I'll notice is that I'll start the workout at the same pace as everybody else, but I end up finishing much sooner yeah. or um, getting more rounds or whatever because I can just keep that same pace. Yep. Versus, but I could get myself into trouble by coming out at a sprint, mm. hitting my lactate threshold too soon. Mm-hmm. And then just being burnt mm. for the rest of the workout. And you see a lot of newer athletes do that. Yeah. So if they started at a slightly slower pace, maybe they'd end up getting it done a little bit faster than if they come out of the gate sprinting as hard as possible. Sure. So there's technique in terms of like how you manage it. Uh, there's, also, there's also a relationship to how you manage your adrenaline and your stress. Mm. Because if you have high adrenaline, like right before you do a 3,000 meter row, and then you go into it and your heart rate is at 160 before you even start pulling because yeah. you're so excited. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to reach your lactate threshold sooner. Your legs are going to feel like bricks. And it won't matter how much oxygen you're taking in because <laughs> you've hit it. And yeah. now you're just going, you're just increasing the amount of lactate that's going into your system as you keep working. When you hit that threshold, and maybe this is different for everyone too, but what is that? what does that recovery period look like? Like, could you stop for 20 minutes and for then sure. go back? Yes, or? and that is a strategy in CrossFit. Okay. Is, like, when you do something like a five-minute AMRAP as fast as possible, and then you take five minutes rest and you try to repeat the AMRAP, what you're trying to do is hit the highest possible lactate output that you can, highest possible anaerobic work that you can do for five minutes and then recover and hit that same amount afterwards. Mm. That's what you're doing. That's sure. how you can work on. That's what I mean by like working on your high intensity interval training is doing those things for a short period of times, crushing yourself. Yeah. And then recovering and trying to do it again. Right. Yeah. So yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. You are working on it. If you're doing CrossFit, you're, you're working. On right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You don't even know what you're doing. Yes. You're doing so much. Exactly. Cool. And then it's important for athletes who are, like, super long endurance athletes to know where their lactate threshold is so they don't hit it. Like, they don't really want to get very close to that threshold when they're working. And that's where something like a, I would think like a heart rate monitor would be yep. useful. Very useful. Very useful. Um, I've used it myself just to be like, I want to do this workout without reaching my lactate threshold. I want to just chill in an an aerobic zone yeah so that i'm i'm good for tomorrow right uh like you know alex lachance was talking to to us about that like she likes to do workouts that just get the blood pumping yeah before a big day of stuff what she means is like she doesn't want to hit her lactate threshold right before she goes into a heavy weightlifting competition yeah yeah but she can still work out totally yeah and you know fatigue her system right so i think that's the most interesting thing that you can think about when you're training in terms of your VO2 max yeah. and its relevance to CrossFit stuff. Very cool. Yeah. I'm wondering, what are you going to challenge me with? Well, I, what I want to challenge you with is because you're not, like, going to – you don't have a heart rate monitor. Um, Actually, I do because I found a free one. Great. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah, it is. You should do two different types of workout next week. Okay. You should do Grace on Thursday. Oh, God. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> and then you should do a slower, longer Metcon. Uh-huh. And I want you to keep track of when you feel that burning sensation. Mm-hmm. Because um, that will give you a general idea of when you're starting to hit that threshold and what heart rate that, that seems to at. connect to. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I can do that. That's clear and simple. And I have not used that heart rate monitor yet. So it's I've been time. wanting to play around with it. Yep. And uh, in terms of what you were saying about, like, the buildup of lactate. Yeah. The, so 
it's not like lactate is is bad for you, but it is going to cause you fatigue. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something like that's making your legs feel like bricks Mm -hmm. and there's all that lactate buildup going into your bloodstream as well, moving around afterwards can be really helpful. Sure. Also, as you can imagine, drinking a lot of fluid. Yeah. And resting. Probably taking like Epsom salt bath too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because fatigue uh, is going to feel like fatigue yeah it could also feel like soreness right so better to even if you are sore still move to some degree versus laying up on the couch yes. all day because you your muscles hurt when yeah, you move because then it can increase the oxygen flow to your muscles right that's the whole goal smart is to reintroduce oxygen versus only lactate yeah yeah awesome but it's not like bad for you right yeah 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 great that's a lot of information i feel like at once I hope it's not too overwhelming because I think in the end it's more just for interest than anything else. If you're an athlete, it's not something to worry about. Right. If you're training pretty regularly, it's not really something you need to think about. It's more like when you're a high-level athlete and you're trying to edge out your competition. Yeah, yeah. It's so another tool that you can start to It's just one other way to manipulate the system <laughs> to make your body work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I did. I forgot to say, men ha- tend to have a higher uh, VO2 mm. max. Okay. Whether that's just because of lung size, I'm not 100% sure. Sure. But it tends to be higher in men okay. than women. Interesting. <laughs> I have no idea if testosterone has any effect on that. So now I'm like, I wonder if that has any effect on people who transition. Yeah, we'll have to do more research and yes, we see will. what we can find. My challenge is to answer that question for myself next week. Yes, <laughs> and then report back. Yay! Yay! Uh, what a great episode this has been. Yeah, this is really fascinating. Yeah, we've learned about fats, muscles, oxygen. Lactic acid. Lactic acid. Yeah. Getting the burn. That burn. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm fatigued. I, I think I hit my lactate threshold during this episode. But you're not going to take a nap. Because I, I, I don't even know how. <laughs> Um, thank you all for tuning in. Yeah. You should join us next week when we are having a special guest on the show. Woo. And uh, she's very popular. She is. She's good people. She's good people. I'm not even going to say who it is because I just want to tease you so yeah. much. You have to come back. You gotta. Share this podcast with your buds. Uh, we would love that. And like your moms and dads and your brothers and sisters. Yeah. We would appreciate that. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And big thanks to Taj Ruler, who is the reason the sky is blue. She's so good. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Tune in next week. And we'll, we'll see you next time on Solcanacast. See ya. Solcanacast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit solcanacast.libsim.com. That's L-I-B sym.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sokanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sokana CrossFit. See you there!